0: There are are two phrases that at the port ought to be said far more often than they are said. They ought to be said every week. One of them is, man, it's hot in here. That that doesn't get said here every week. The other one, the other one is, he is risen. risen. And that's why, that's why that needs to be said every week. He is risen, he is risen, indeed, the proclamation of the church for 2,000 years, but let's Wait a minute, let's pause. Do we understand the impact and the power of that statement? Many of you you here are Whitecaps fans. Uh, Yeah? Woo! Um, And sometimes that's all you hear when you go to a Whitecaps game. Woo! Um, What happens in a Whitecaps game, uh, and I want to make sure we don't confuse he is risen, he is risen indeed, is what happens in a Whitecaps game. When a Whitecaps game gets boring and we need to stir ourselves up, Someone on the far end will go, white, caps, and then it'll build, and it'll build, and it'll build. That is happening because what's going on in the field is not exciting us anymore, and so we need to entertain ourselves. When, when, when we say, he is risen, he is risen indeed, we are proclaiming the foundation of our faith. We're not simply trying to stir ourselves up. That Jesus, who who claimed to be God, who told his followers that he would would be handed over to the authorities, that he would suffer, he would be humiliated, he would be shamed, and ultimately die as our representative and the conqueror of sin and death, and then he rose from the dead. That is our proclamation. He is risen. risen. Don't fade out on me. We're going to go with this for a while. Because he's also worthy, in case you didn't know. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, you would have never heard of him. Thousands upon thousands of people were crucified. You don't know their names. You think you know Spartacus, but he actually wasn't crucified. Go read the history. But thousands of his followers were, and you don't know their names. Something very amazing happened in this instance. He rose from the dead. You know who Jesus is because something of great significance happened. And that is what it comes down to. You can point to it on a map where it happened. This is not out there somewhere, let's get sentimental and give us hope and give us warm feelings. It happened in history, it happened in space and time. And this is what it comes down to. In Romans ten nine, Paul writes these words. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be Saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and by the way, if He rose from the dead, He's Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Simple words, easy to comprehend, kind of. But the call to a commitment and belief like that is difficult. And this is not just an exam. It's not like if you say that, hey, I'll give you salvation in return. That's not what it is. It's not like you pass a theological exam. Yeah, he rose from the dead. I believe it. I strongly agree. So you get salvation because you got the question right. No, that's not what it is. It's because when you proclaim that Jesus is Lord and God rose him from the dead, you are at that moment saying, I am no longer placing my salvation, my trust in myself. I am placing it on him, the only one who can save. That's what happens when we make that kind of proclamation. There's a wonderful concept we find in Scripture, and I think it's one of those ideas that we read over, and we just keep kind of, so I got it, I got that concept, I'll keep going, right? Got it, got it, got it. It's like kind of those terms of use on iTunes. You're just like, yeah, okay, 30 pages, I got it, check, next, just give me what I need, right? There's a phrase in Scripture like that. The phrase, in Christ, Paul loves this phrase, in Christ. It's it's fundamental to our understanding of what the resurrection means to you and I right now in Poco in 2018. The Apostle Paul loves this phrase. The Apostle Paul alone uses that phrase 164 times. In Christ. That is the, the main description of what it means to be a Christian in Scripture. You are now in Christ. Now when I was growing up, I wasn't in Christ. He was in me. I asked him to be in my heart. Right? We ask Jesus into our heart. To be honest, that's not an overly biblical concept. But, But a far more biblical idea is that when we place our trust in Jesus, we are in Christ. And this is why it's important. This is why it's important. When we associate, when we connect our lives with Christ, when we are in Christ, something wonderful happens because of the resurrection. If we say that we believe God rose Him from the dead and we confess Jesus is Lord of our life, we are now in Christ. And because of the resurrection of Christ from the dead, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, where Jesus went, you will go. What Jesus purchased, you own. And where Jesus reigns, you will stand. Let me say that again. Where Jesus went, you will go. Where Je- what Jesus purchased, you own. And where Jesus reigns, you will stand. Guardians of the Galaxy has a warm spot right here in my heart because it has introduced some wonderful music to my son. There is no, for a long time, there's not been a soundtrack as good as volume one and volume two of Guardians of the Galaxy. I was so happy last Christmas because they actually released the soundtracks on cassette tape, which I bought for my son, and he listens to on his Walkman. He's so retro. I love it. Just just a second, I got something in my eye. That is just awesome. If you've ever seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2, you know that at the beginning of the movie, the Guardians are battling the obelisk, this cosmic, this giant, impenetrable monster that they are battling and they are getting nowhere. They cannot defeat it. They are wasting their efforts until Drax, all muscle and no brains, comes to the conclusion that the only way to defeat the obelisk is from the inside out, not from the outside in. And so in this fantastic scene, it was all over the trailers even if you didn't see the movie. He jumps with both daggers drawn into the mouth of the creature and he allows himself to be swallowed by the monster and begins to take it on from the inside. That's the end of that metaphor. Because it was useless. They ended up taking him in a different way anyway. But what the cross tells us is that Jesus, as the representative of humanity, allowed himself to be swallowed by death, to take death on from the inside. To go and to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And the resurrection tells us that rather than death swallowing him up and believing itself to have won, death, in fact, was defeated. Death swallowed more than it could chew in the person of Jesus. Could not contain him. 1 Corinthians 15, 54-55 says, When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? I've said this before. That is the ancient version of death. Na-na-na-boo-boo. Okay? You got nothing. That is the reason we gather. That is the reason we sing. That is the reason Christians walk around when they're understanding He has risen and He has risen indeed with a goofy smile on their face. It's why we gather together to sing these songs. This doesn't happen anywhere else. Tell me the last time your boss gathered everyone in the staff room and said, guys, there's a Lady Gaga song that really speaks to my heart. We should all sing it together. That doesn't happen anywhere else. But as Christians, we follow a Lord that is worthy of of our corporate worship. What it means to say that death has been swallowed up in victory, it means that when it comes to death, those who follow Christ will follow him right through death into immortality. That the way that Jesus created, the exit route of the monster belongs to us if we place our trust in him. Where he went, we will go. Bursting out through the monster of death. It's as if you and I have been retroactively, when we place our trust in Christ, retroactively placed in the person of Christ as he explodes out of the monster of death. It is cool, Brian. It is cool. 1 Corinthians fifteen nineteen to 20 says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, which we do, but if we have hope in this life only, we are of all people to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. We don't use the word firstfruits a lot anymore. What it's saying is this, the resurrection of Jesus is not a one-off. The resurrection of Jesus is not a one-off, it's a glimpse. It's, it's, it's a glimpse of the resurrection of all those who place their trust in Jesus Christ, And that is good news for everyone, because the last time I checked the statistics, the death rate is at 100%. So that's good news for every single person in here. It's good news for everyone here who's lost someone to know that they will see them again. Where he went, you will go. Not eaten by death, but bursting through it. But secondly, the resurrection shows us that what Jesus purchased on the cross, you and I own if we place our trust in Him. What Jesus purchased, you and I own if we place our trust in Him. Ephesians 1.7, Paul writes this, In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. That's market talk, purchase, redemption. That's consumer. You and I were redeemed. You and I were purchased. The amount around our neck was high. We were of such great worth that God was willing to pay this high price for our sin and the power of sin over us. How did he purchase us? How did he redeem us? Verse 7 of Ephesians chapter 1 says, by his blood and out of his deep pockets of grace. God has very deep pockets when it comes to grace and forgiveness. That was his currency. But how do we know? How do we know he paid it? Jesus said all sorts of things. How do we know they're true? Where else do we hear market talk in Scripture? When we look at the gospel narrative, if you were with us on uh, Good Friday up at the Mariner campus, Pastor Chris walked us through John chapter 19, verse 30. It says, When Jesus received sour wine that the Roman soldiers had given him, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It is finished. That is a term of payment it is a statement of whatever you think you're witnessing, whatever you think you're, you're looking at, when you look at the cross, there is something cosmic going on. Jesus is taking care of something cosmic in that moment. And Paul says, as he writes here in Ephesians, it was, he was redeeming, he was purchasing you and I for himself. But how do we know? How do we know that any of the things Jesus promised us about his mission his identity, his purpose, his lordship, his authority, and what he has promised us. How do we know they're true? The resurrection. The resurrection. That is Jesus' vindication, and it is your proof of purchase. That's what the, the resurrection is. He has risen indeed. Have you ever purchased something at the mall, and you get really environmental all of a sudden, and someone says, do you want a bag? And you go, like, oh, no, no. And hopefully there's people in line behind you. No, 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 no! I don't need a bag. I'll just carry that. Thank you. I'm environmentally sensitive. I don't, I don't need that. And then you find yourself walking from that store in the mall through the mall and you're carrying a box of Nikes or you've got a shirt slung over your shoulder. No bag. Does anyone not look like a criminal at that point? Like so, uh, uh, The only reason you can do that with great boldness, and you're in your mind, you're actually, at least I am, I'm daring someone to ask me. Why? Because I have a receipt in my pocket. Right? And Paul Block can come on his Segway and try to stop me at the mall entrance. It doesn't matter because I'm going to pull out my receipt and I'm going to say, it's been paid for, it's been paid in full, so back off. You can walk through the mall with confidence with what you have. Maybe it's just me, but that's why I feel safe when I walk through the mall. It's your past, it's your assurance that what you have in your hands belongs to you. The resurrection is the cosmic receipt of your salvation. It's the cosmic receipt of your salvation, a reminder that Jesus was who He said He was. He accomplished what He came to, came to accomplish, and your salvation is, is, is paid for and death is defeated. Where He has gone, you will go, and what He has purchased, you own. New life in Him, forgiveness and hope. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. How do we know? Check the receipt. Paid in full is stamped across the universe. How do I know I'm truly loved? How do I know I'm truly forgiven? Check the receipt. Paid in full. The resurrection solidifies that what he has purchased at the cross is yours. We ought to be walking around with goofy smiles. Lastly, the resurrection tells us that where He reigns, you stand. This is an interesting concept. Where He reigns, you stand. Because we are in Christ, where Christ is, we are. After Christ's resurrection and His ascension to heaven, we're told this. By Paul, again, in Ephesians chapter 2, God, being very rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised, you, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Where? In Christ. In Christ. Where are we? We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And where is Christ sitting next to the Father? As a result of the cross and the fact that our sacrificed king is a living king, there is a way in which when we place our trust in Christ and His work on the cross, when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, because we are in Christ, we are spiritually alive together with Him and seated with Him. We have been raised up, we have been lifted up by His sacrifice. There's an old story I heard a, a minister give of some mountaineers climbing up a very steep mountain on a rock face, and they're, they're all tied to each other. They're all tethered together, and, uh, and as they're making their way up, the last guy who's tethered loses his footing and drops, and his weight quickly pulls the weight of the next person and the next person. They're all finding themselves dropping off the rock face and hanging in the abyss as they're feeling the next person tug. And the next person drops as the weight gets more and more and more until the person who's at the front of the rope sees what's happening and at the last moment takes his axe and with all his might slams it into the rock face just as the person behind him drops. And he's, as he's wrapped his arm around the rope, he feels the full weight of all of them on his body, but he can't let go of the pick, he can't let go of the axe, and he can't let go of the people. And of course, the rope is, is an absolute torture on him the rope is is bisecting him cutting into his flesh yet he holds on and he endures the pain all of their weight and pulls them up one by one until they are all saved and placed up next to him and this is what the minister says after that he says there are really two key people in the human race there's adam and there's jesus the first and the second adam as paul calls them adam fell off the mountain He pulled down the next one. He pulled down the next one. Pulled us all down until there was only one man left on the mountain. Only one person who hadn't fallen. Only one person who was still on the mountain and it was Jesus. And with a great mighty stroke, he put his axe in. But in order to save us, all of the weight of all of the rest of us pulled on him and virtually bisected him and actually did. But what happened was he pulled us up. He raised us it cost him it cost him the pain and the suffering but to him you need to hear this to him the cost was worth it everyone here please hear that to Christ the cost was worth it Hebrews 12 2 says look to Jesus the founder and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross the joy was you For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So it cost him. But for Jesus, enduring the shame, the suffering, the cross, it was all worth it. Remember in the archaic days before Amazon Prime, where you would have to wait like two days for something to arrive. Or you would leave your house and go shopping. And buy something off the rack. And you bring it home, or you waited those two days, or you've been thinking about it for a long time, and you open open the box, and immediately you're unhappy with your purchase. I'm sure I'm the only one that's ever happened with. Actually, scientifically, it's actually been proven that all the excitement building up to a product is a far higher high than actually receiving the product that you're excited about. But we've all had what's called buyer's remorse this didn't bring me the joy I thought it was going to bring me. Please hear this. Jesus never feels that way about giving his life for you. Never. I don't care what you're walking in here with. I don't care what's fallen apart in your life. I don't care what anxiety you're walking through, the ways you feel you've let God down. It was a good purchase, he says, and it was worth the price tag. Worth the weight that his body bore, worth the suffering so that he could take us with him and that we could be in Christ, so that where he is, we are. Now, that's, that's a theological reality right now that Paul gives us, but one day it'll be a physical reality. And how do we know? Because the resurrection declares it. The resurrection declares that where Jesus went, we will go, where, what Jesus purchased, we will own, and where Jesus reigns, we stand. That is why He is risen is more than just fans chanting a familiar pra- phrase. That He is risen is, is meant to do more than just give us comforts or stir sentiment in us. We are doing far more than that. We are declaring the basis of our salvation and our guarantee that Jesus has and will accomplish all that He said He would do and accomplish. Amen. Let's pray. God of grace. May the weight of this, the joy of this, sit heavily in our hearts and minds. May the power of this declaration be understood, accepted, and lived in. May those of us who say that we have placed our trust in Jesus understand what it means to be found in Christ. And understand the the work of the cross, the validity of it, made clear in the resurrection. And Jesus, for those who have not yet come to the point of calling you Savior, of calling you Rescuer, Defeater of Sin, Victorious God, Forgiver, allow the weight of the truth of the resurrection to fall fully on their hearts and minds this morning. So that where you have gone, they may go. What you have purchased, they may own. And where you are, they may be. I'm going to invite you with heads bowed in this time, just in quiet, to to take this moment. To make your decision this morning for the first time, maybe, maybe for the 10th or 20th time. To live in the reality of the resurrection. To live in the promises of the cross validated by the resurrection that all who believe will be saved. All who believe are in Christ. That death no longer has the last word, that the price that needed to be paid for our sin was paid in full and it is finished. That the spiritual reality of, of being elevated to the position of honored guests before God is for all those who would confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised Him from the dead. And if that is you today, simply say yes to Jesus. <laughs> Trade in your life Trade in your effort. Trade in your sin for new life. An accomplished work on your behalf in Christ and forgiveness that only He can offer. Say yes to Him this morning. And for all that this day celebrates, Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. You who accepted us, who saved us, forgave us, and in whom we now find life. Amen. Now, what is fitting in light of the idea of exchanging our lives for Christ, of dying to ourselves and living for Him, is that we get to witness the playing out of this drama physically with a couple of baptisms this morning. And we are excited to, to baptize two from our church family this morning. And so we are right now going to respond in worship. And then I will make my way to the tank. And I will give you a quick explanation of baptism. And then we will celebrate the resurrection through baptism. Let's worship together. Let's stand.